Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 20 of season four of This Osteopathic Life. We are nearly to the half birthday of This Osteopathic Life's fourth season as a podcast. And if I look at the expectation of where episodes will be, we could consider this as being somewhat behind. Now, the expectation of a weekly solo episode and a weekly conversation are completely created by me. That is my expectation and delivery. And sometimes I exceed that expectation, such as last year, particularly when we had the concentrated effort of an episode a day for the month of November. So we had 30 essentially bonus episodes or really 26 bonus episodes because there would have been four for that month and many conversations that emerged last year. This year, there has been a shift in the pace and of the timing. And while there are moments when I lament that, and I think what's happened, and how can I get back to where I was with the rate of production on the podcast and in other ways in life, I also pause and I remember that I can choose to see this moment in this shift as problematic. I can choose even to see it as beneficial, or I can simply choose to notice it and to let it be and to not punish myself, to not rush it, to not force additional production, and to welcome what words emerge when they are meant to. Now, I also have the option to be more strategic and structured. We talk about structure and function in the tenets of osteopathic medicine, and that is absolutely available as well. And what I would like to offer you in this moment, which really isn't where this episode is headed today, but we'll stay on this tangent as it appears and trust that it will become the detour or the new path or the return back to the original that was intended. And if you are challenged and are even struggling perhaps with something in your life where it feels like you should be other than where you are, know that you can turn around and return to where you have been. You can assess the situation and choose the next steps in the best direction that's available for you. You can reach out and look for a co-pilot in that navigation. Perhaps reading the map is not your strength. And while you can absolutely learn that skill, engaging with someone who can assist you in that process is a great option. You can decide that wherever it is you are, wherever that blue dot is on the navigation of your own GPS, is exactly where you are meant to be. And you can turn and change 
the direction of that beacon of focus of where you are looking and trust yourself in that process. And if that doesn't feel available, if that self-trust is in those early phases, it is growing, it is deepening, it is strengthening, looking for someone who can hold space for that belief, keep it safe in that incubator space, that perhaps a coach is someone who can support you in that time. Now, they're not going to tell you which way to go. They might offer back to you some reflection on where you've been, where you could go, and help you decide what the path is. They might help you find your true north, but it is your true north to be discovered. And for me, in particularly challenging time in my life, coaches, and absolutely plural there, have been a key resource in giving me the time and the space to figure out which way is up, to notice those navigating origination points that help me know where I have been, to recognize that where I am is absolutely okay for this moment, and to see that where I'm headed is up to me. And whatever the terrain I might encounter, I have the tools and the capability and the capacity to survive and thrive in traversing it. And that the coach is available to me as a resource and thankfully, readily available to me as a resource when there are elements of confusion or fatigue. And yes, that absolutely does happen. And that fatigue can come in the way of physical, mental, emotional. A coach can remind you that you can breathe and rest and recover and refuel and take those next steps when you are ready. They might encourage you to lighten your load or they might support you when you need to have a few more supplies in your backpack, but then that you might need to take more rest stops and put that bag down from time to time And know that you can pick it back up when you need to. So across all of this, I offer to you that for me, coaching has been a terrific, invaluable resource. And if any of this resonates and you are in need of support, seek a coach. There are many amazing coaches out there. And I am a coach. We've talked about that time and again. And actually how coaching really is an expansion of the osteopathic concept. And I do have space for individual coaching clients. And I'm actually launching a group program open to all. Most of my work is with physicians and healthcare professionals and those who are at all stages of education, training, and practice in medicine. And I love it. I value it. It is amazing, important, incredible work that I am honored, grateful, and privileged to be able to do. And I value my time and my relationships that I've had with patients who are largely not physicians in the past and in my gym. And while there were physicians amongst those who attended the gym, most were not. And reclaiming those connections through the space of coaching is something I have been missing, craving, hopeful for, and that is emerging, again, in its own perfect timing. 
So that is available and you can follow me at live underscore inconceivable on Instagram and reach out to me at the sociopathic life at gmail.com if that's of interest to you. And I will put a link to the program in the show notes as well. That is where we are this morning. And here we are in episode 20. And the core concept that we will review, discuss, discover here today is clarity. And that has been a theme of this time for me. And it came through in this moment, actually, after the experience of having very little clarity yesterday while swimming. As you might know, if you followed me last year, many of our episodes, and we had some specifically dedicated to the swimming challenge that, again, I imposed, which is an interesting word, extended, offered to myself last year and chose to uphold. Uphold against all odds. Some might say at all costs, right? Swimming in some challenging conditions, though never with a red flag condition, thankfully, in the bay where I live does not have the same undertow that other parts of Lake Michigan and the Great Lakes can have. And absolutely respecting the water and the red flags is so critical and important. But swimming at all times of day in some sketchier bodies of water, I think you may recall when I was at a conference out east and swam in the Atlantic Ocean, not by any means my favorite body of water and it was murky and sandy really warm but really unclear right no clarity there only to learn that there were sharks and people were fishing for them right there on the shoreline and I was recalling an incident in that time frame where I felt something furry and claw-like on my leg and was for sure (laughs) that this was the end and it was a dog fetching a ball but who knew in that moment that it was a dog and not a shark of some sort so there's a lot of swimming. There's a lot of daily consistent swimming. So that is possible. Even going back to that opening segment there, consistency and structure and 100% adherence to a challenge and an expectation is possible. That's true for me. It's true for you. And recognizing what our reserve is, what our capacity is, what our priorities are, and perhaps that last one really is the most important at any time. And recognizing that we do need to shift our priorities, sometimes for survival, sometimes for thriving, sometimes for the joy of it. So notice that if you are not achieving whatever it is you wish to achieve, check in and notice, well, what is my priority right now? And why is it my priority? How can I support myself? And if there is a reprioritization that is needed, perhaps I can shift my mindset around that. Or look at what it is that draws me toward whatever it is that I'm doing. Or conversely, or actually really, it's the same thing. What repels me from doing that thing that I should, would, could be doing? So checking on that. But my point in bringing up the swimming is that I have long struggled with goggles. And I'm not a swimmer. I'm a runner by nature. But I'm also a triathlete. And a triathlete spends... You know, 33% of their time-ish swimming. And we'd say a third. If we look at the volume, really it's time on the bike. <laughs> that takes up the majority of time in triathlons. 
but there's a good portion spent swimming. And it's always the opening component of a race. I'll say always with the asterisk of in traditional triathlon races. And as long as I have swum, I have had challenges with goggles that didn't leak, didn't fog, didn't leave marks on my face. I ordered some custom goggles last year that said they would eliminate all of those issues. That was not true for me. I'm still open to trying them and improving the way that I adapt the straps to fit. But in any case, that has been the bane of my existence in swimming. I can handle almost any type of water, though I prefer clear water and a sandy bottom, but that is not always available in events. Temperatures, pretty good with a wide range of those. And I recall the world championships where I swam in Sweden, being one of two triathletes who didn't have sleeves on their wetsuit. The other was from the UK and we each kind of high-fived and fist bumped around cold water swimming, let's go. Conditions, like I said, wide range. Not a huge fan of pool swimming, but I will make use of it when it's necessary. And I love a beautiful pool. Just had the experience of one this past weekend. And also shout out to those outdoor pools that are 50 meters in length. Huge gift to be able to swim in those. But throughout all of those mediums of water, the goggles remain a challenge. And I've switched in recent years to face masks. They left a little bit less of that kind of raccoon eye experience after swimming. And particularly when swimming and then going to work to see patients. You or me, I look unwell, right? If you get the ring around your eyes, it makes you look tired and sick. And there's that concern and patients might look at you, you know, a little bit trepidatiously and others might just say directly, what's going on? What's wrong with you? And you say, oh, nothing. I'm just, I've swam this morning and I have this goggle ring. And face masks have helped. I just add an extra syllable there. We're just going to go with it. But I have not consistently found them. So I had one that I loved, but after two seasons of swimming, it cracked and broke. And so the seal was no longer available. And the replacements I have found have been subpar. And it happened, just so happened the other day, that I came across an old triathlon prep bag. It had one of my racing unisuits and some goggles in it. And they were just plain old TYR simple goggles. And I thought, well, I did race with these for many years and they worked all right. And so let me give them a go. And to their credit, they fit and they did not leak water. So that is to their advantage. But they are foggy beyond belief. And so that requires periodic stops to wipe them, attempts to use spit to prevent the fogging and swimmers. I'm open to more tips that you have. But I do appreciate that they don't let water in. They do also leave a pretty good ring around my eyes for a fairly extended amount of time. And the pressure of them does create a little bit of a headache. I've never been a super fan of you know, something tight on my cranium. But in any case, for now, I take the no leaking as a victory. But the fog can be particularly challenging in the evening. So I've been swimming a lot in the later afternoon into the evening and the direction where I swim, as I swim toward the west, I can see very little. And so thankfully, I swim buoys that I have traversed many times. So my body has an inherent sense of where we are, but with different currents and directions, sometimes you might end up farther away from those buoys than you want to be. And sometimes I discover the buoy when I'm 
very much right next to it and thankfully not crashing into it, but almost nearly doing so. And then when I turn, it's a little better. I kind of work with the fog, with the sun behind me to see the buoys more clearly. But it is a challenge. And it is frustrating to have to stop. It gets you out of your rhythm to be in a fog. And there is this sense of insecurity and almost a bit of fear that comes through. Even in the most familiar space, and I have adapted to wearing my swim buoy at all times, when I swim after having encountered directly a boat in the more specifically the skig of the boat with my head last year, I do wear the buoy so others can see me. And hopefully, I don't imagine most people above water are wearing foggy goggles. <laughs> and I noticed yesterday in particular, and it was a combination of swimming in a very narrow window of time. So it was already a sense of urgency brought into the picture. And it was swimming into the sun. I had also the added effect of my hair coming over my face. So I do need to reclaim a swim cap. I avoid that generally when I'm swimming in the lake because it feels almost too formal for what I like to still embrace as a relatively casual experience of swimming in open water in the summertime. But I'm going to just admit that a swim cap is helpful (laughs) for lots of reasons, but mostly for again adding to that layer of clarity. So I had the sun, a layer of hair and foggy goggles. Couldn't see much at all. And there is this sense of insecurity and a little bit of trepidation like where am I am I in the right place and there's a safety element to that right so a fog can lead us to a sense of feeling unsafe and I did an episode early on in season four where I was driving in a fog and just that sense of not being able to see whatever it is you're about to encounter until it is right there you have no forewarning of whatever is happening. And as I mentioned that, it's kind of the case with the buoys. It's like, okay, you know, I count them. There are 11, of course, right? One is gone, but its anchor is still there. So you can see that because it's visible under the surface in this very clear and beautiful and sandy bottomed water, which I'm so appreciative of having just down the road from my home. But I would think, you know, I passed buoy three, I should be a buoy four. Oh, there it is, right? <laughs> as my left hand gently grazes the side of said buoy. And it feels much better in those moments where I can see all of the buoys ahead of me and I can adjust my course as I go rather than make big shifts and have to stop and pause and remove the goggles and wipe them. And so recognizing the power of clarity to keep us efficient, to keep us calm, to keep us ready for whatever is coming, we're prepared, and to improve our capacity to get to where we are going efficiently. And now we could look at clarity, you know, as part of our thought process, as part of a feeling we have, we feel clear, or we have this sense of, I know where I'm going. I can see what's ahead. I'm prepared for whatever there is. And that one doesn't necessarily require clarity, but it's easier to come to if we have clarity available to us, then it's easier to believe that we're prepared for whatever is to come because we can see it. We can have a sense of, okay, I've encountered something like this before. I know what I can do here. I can rely on these past skills. It can also give us more information to make a different choice. Perhaps we keep going or perhaps we turn around or perhaps we choose a new course like we talked about early on in the episode today. And that was the case yesterday for me. So, This season, 
My booby swims have started much later in the season, and that's okay. Welcoming it, embracing it, much like the podcast, shifting the expectations, the volume, the rate of production, and knowing that, as I said, consistency, expedition, voluminous production are always available, and there are seasons to life. But in general, at minimum, I will swim the buoys out and back. Like I say, there are 11, so there's a numerical benefit for my heart in doing so. It's usually around a half a mile. It's a little bit shorter this year, but it gives what I would say is a meaningful distance. It's worth getting in the water and getting wet. Although even that said, when the water flipped the other day and was so cold, I just went in and out. I said, actually, I'm here just to be refreshed. I'm not going to expose myself to the extreme cold of this water because it's going to hurt my head and challenge my body in ways that I don't welcome today. And so I just went in and out. But overall, down and back along the buoys. And then on days when there is a wider amount of time, like I said, yesterday was a narrow window, or the weather is just so beautiful, or I feel so inclined, I will swim them multiple times. And sometimes I will extend the swim and go between two sets of buoys. It's like between two ferns, between two buoy beaches. And go all the way down, swim the other buoys and come back. But overall, the most common denominator here is the down and back along the buoys. But yesterday, like I said, narrow time window, wavier conditions were happening and I was swimming out into the waves, which is what you always want to do, right? Swim out into the waves so that you come back with the current and it's relieving, it's addressing any fatigue you might have and it just feels amazing, right? To like have your time on the return swim. But as I was swimming and counting and having to stop and adjust and look and find where the buoys are and see where I was in space, I realized swimming the full length of the buoys would really compromise the time that I had to reach my next destination. And so I made the decision to turn at the halfway point, which would be buoy five or buoy six or halfway in between them. And I did so and I pivoted and I came back around. So I had clarity and vision for a moment because I had wiped clean the inside surface of my goggles. I had clarity and vision for myself by looking, gazing at my watch, noting the time, recognizing what was available to me activity-wise. And I had clarity in the trust of my decision-making in that process. And I also had clarity and support for myself in saying, it is okay. You have permission not to swim all of these buoys. To turn around now, to count this time in the water as enough, to welcome it, and to move on. And that took some time. It took some reflection. It took some internal dialogue. And it happened in a relatively short interval because spending a lot more time would be contrary to the point of being more efficient in the process and getting to where it was I was going next. But I offer that to you, that you can choose how you wish to engage and grant yourself the clarity that you need. Now, as I look at the definitions of clarity, and we're here later in the episode than usual when we're looking at these, but again, we can choose our rate, rhythm, and sequencing. Definition of clarity, the quality or state of being clear, lucidity. Isn't that fascinating? If we expand to some other options, clarity offers up the quality of being coherent and intelligible. Now, in that same vein, yesterday... I was coordinating time with family and with friends and different events. And like I said, a secondary destination from the swimming. And I feel I was very clear and coherent and intelligible in my communication with my family. But I left some room for 
improving my clarity in communication with a friend and what that resulted in. And I note, I take responsibility for myself and my aspect and I honor the sovereignty of my friend in that space. But there was some confusion that occurred and we could look at contributing factors that resulted in not meeting at that secondary destination. And I spent much of the time when I arrived at that secondary destination reviewing what could I have done to be clearer in my communication. So we experience clarity from our space and our view outward to the world, but we offer clarity as well. And how do we create less of a fog for those around us and check in for understanding? Now, in the practice of medicine and in coaching, we will often ask back, tell me what you heard. What was your takeaway? And we could see what level of clarity there has been for that person. And now, if it doesn't match what we had as our main takeaway or what we intended as our recommendation, let's say, in the practice of medicine, we can check in and note what it is that we said. We can also recognize that they have their receptiveness, right? And so it is leaving our space, mind, mouth, as we're saying these words out into the world, and it is filtering through the atmosphere. And now I'm picturing Willy Wonka. And side note, do you ever think about Wizard of Oz? Think of Oompa Loompas and have to really go back and check, wait, is Wizard of Oz or Willy Wonka? <laughs> that happened to both me and a friend yesterday, so it's curious to me, the overlap of those films. Complete unrelation, but we could find out how to make that integrated into this episode. So we're traveling through the air like Mikey TV, and it has to also travel through the lens for that person, visually, auditory, through their environment, through their past experience. So we always relate things right to past occurrences in our lives, and that can influence the clarity with which we receive it and translate it. So just checking, right? what are the odds of improving the clarity here? What can I shift and change? And I noted, okay, I could have said X, Y, Z differently and also confirmed, right? Asked for a reflective message back to say, is that clear? Where can we meet? What do you know about what I'm saying? And there are normal, <laughs> less intense ways to say that. So I spent a lot of time well, thinking about how I could offer more clarity out into the world. The quality of transparency or purity, and this, the example is water here, of course, right? Always water, always to the water. And looking at that and how can we contribute to the quality of that? And I love that aspect. And I know the ITY ending of clarity is encouraging this use of quality in the definitions, but even just that, right? Clarity as a quality just really feels beautiful and hopeful to me. And so appreciative of those times where there is absolute clarity. And I can think of those swims. And we're just going to keep going back to the water because it is my happy place to be. When there is absolute clarity, both on the part of the water itself, as I say, the body of water in which I swim is 97% of the time so crystal clear where you can see down to the bottom when it's 10, 20 feet away. So there's that element of clarity. When the air and the sky are clear, and perhaps the sun is at a point where it is not in your line of vision. So there's that visual clarity that's available. And my hair is not in my eyes. So that element of clarity has been preserved. And the goggles remain non-leaky and free of fog. And so that is clear. And those swims are completely delightful and enjoyable. 
and you feel safe and secure and strong and confident and capable because you can see where it is you're going and you can trust yourself to navigate those conditions. And you know that every time you gaze up, you're going to gain a sense of your progress, having moved past the buoys, and also where you are headed and be able to make that choice without any pause, just fluidly shift and turn and move back. So just seeing the power of clarity and providing all of those aspects that we often seek, right? Of course, we want to feel strong and efficient and confident and capable. And clarity can offer that to us. And so in those spaces where you are the steward of clarity, I'm not encouraging overthinking or perfectionism. We actually, you know, look at those and I don't say combat them, but that's the word that's coming up, those in coaching. But recognize the words that you're using, the tone that you're using, the medium through which you present it. As I bring this program forward, time and clarity is spent around the language, the imagery, and keeping it as simple as possible. Simple is often the way for clarity. And asking, being willing to hear and make adjustments when someone says, you know, I'm not quite sure what you're saying. And for me, rate of speech, and maybe you slow down these podcasts, and clarity of speech, although I feel like here it's better. Personally, there is a lot of mumbling, and I'm working on that in my life to improve the clarity there because I recognize the power of clarity, incoherence, loving that, intelligibility, certainty, definition, transparency, purity, ease, all of those words and their relationship to the clarity that we offer and that we experience in the world. So if you are seeking greater clarity and you want to be able to wipe that fog away and keep a strong seal for maybe some of those negative thoughts leaking in that make things more confusing and find yourself into environments where clarity is more a part of the natural medium, like those clearer bodies of water, but also capable of handling when the clarity of the external world isn't a guarantee because it's not. There are elements beyond our control that you can continue to offer up and be stronger in your capacity to create clarity and to offer it into the world, contact me. That is absolutely part of what we do in the space of coaching. And clarity for health is absolutely part of the practice of osteopathic medicine. And just like with the conditions of the sun and the waves and the fog that might occur in the external world, we can't take those away but we can learn to navigate those conditions more effectively. Just like there are certain diagnoses in our health that we cannot take away or aspects of the world and relationships around us that we cannot undo. We do have so much we can control within us. And honoring that self-healing capacity is absolutely part and parcel of this osteopathic life. So I thank you for being here for these 20 episodes and the conversations that have accompanied them. I look forward to season four as it continues to unfold. And I welcome you at any time to find me on Facebook, to email me at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com, to visit the website, and to participate in the way that works best for you. This is Dr. Millie Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening. <music>